Parapods, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast. So once again, we're at Wentworth Point. I'm Catherine and I'm here with Nissa. Hello. Look, uh, Library Lovers Day Nissa has just passed and you know what, it just put us in mind of kind of seems to do with love. And you know what, we thought we haven't discussed romance yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's one of the publishing world's most... Uh, popular genres. In fact, I think there's more romance published than any other genre. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, you know, they say love makes the world go round. Nissa, it's true, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. You're a romantic, aren't you? Deep down. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Anything but. All right. But, all right, we suspend disbelief Uh and let's get into it because, look, um, just a quick, maybe, um, uh, definition of the romance genre. So, uh, essentially, it is a story of, you know, um, a couple and a love story. It, that is the, the central theme of romance. But it has to incorporate, um, you know, many other factors. Um, it can also incorporate social issues, um, you know, critiques of the time. Um, the genres are almost countless. I know you actually have a list of uh, well don't go don't list them all but mention a few of the romance genres and sub genres sure but before that perhaps i'll list all the different books we're going to be talking about today or having a closer look actually, at actually that's not a bad idea <laughs> do it okay <laughs> so first book um okay this is going to be pretty cliched because it's it's a staple for library lovers day and i do admit i i, I do love this book Pride and Prejudice it's by a seminal work by Jane Austen, uh, published in eighteen thirteen. So, mm-hmm. my gosh, that's been timeless. That's, oh, more than two hundred years. That's amazing, yeah. uh, and it and still it's resonates. As it's exactly wow. Love it. Uh, the next one we're going to do is Love in the Time of Cholera by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, originally published by Alfred A. Knopf in Knopf. Anyway, uh, in 1988, uh, but it was originally published in Spanish in 1985. After that, we will be looking at Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavours by Sonali Dev. Dev? Yes, Sonali Dev. Mm -hmm. And that was published by William Morrow, which is an imprint of HarperCollins in May 2019. Uh, Ending with the Outlander series, I guess, or just the first Outlander book, by Diana Gabaldon. Apparently it's Gabaldon. Gabaldon and yeah. a classic. I YouTubed it to see how it's pronounced. This entire time I've been saying Gabaldon. Anyway, um, and that was published by Della Corte Books in 1991. It's been that long. Wow. So those are the four books we'll be focusing on. Uh, but over to you, Catherine. I think you were going to talk about the different genres of romance because it's so... I mean, if you think of romance, it's such a vast mix of, like, the books in it are so different. And even the ones we've listed, they're so different from each other. But yet they can all be called a romance, but perhaps they can be, they can fit under other genres as well. And there's a lot of um, debate about, you know, like, genres can make or break a book, I think, what's declared a genre. Because, of course, yeah. the, the idea is that um, women read more romance novels than men so by labeling something a romance you may actually be uh you know cutting off an audience from wanting to even read something so the 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 label itself sometimes becomes so important and i guess political um but yeah you were going to talk about some of the genres oh look 
Nisser, um, they're, they're really um, too numerous to really list, but I mean, a couple of para normal romances, which are kind of really popular right now, and um, multicultural romances. So just some of the more, I mean, because everybody knows about the, the romances from yesteryear, and the LGBTQ plus family of romances is, you know, a huge publishing industry these days. So that's kind of the the, the newish romances that, um, you know, take up a huge chunk of the market. Well, the multicultural romance is the one uh, I'm contrasting, the, that is Sonali Dev's book. Um, but, um, you know, this is funny, Nissa. There were some tips that I read about um, that um, for, for people, just as some tips about discovering the right romance for you, and it says... Some like it hot, but other readers want the bedroom door to stay firmly closed. Um, so adding appeal terms to your search, such as chaste, mildly sensuous, steamy or explicit, <laughs> is the way to go, people, if you're looking for your niche romance. Yeah, and there, are just, there are just so many. You've got, um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, you've got Regency romances, which were quite big back at one point you've got well pride and prejudice yeah you've got inspirational ones which are also christian ones that have a lot of christian themes and then yes. a subcategory of that that we've noticed um amish romances amish romance. so uh, i think amish people may not necessarily see themselves reflected in the amish what purports to be an amish romance but it's there and it yes. appeals to a lot of people You've got erotic romances, so that's a bit different from your standard erotica. Um, that would be Fifty Shades, and yes, that kind of thing. Yeah, so what's meant to be a romance, but you've 50 got... Fifty Shades of Grey, that is for people who have never, who've been living under a rock. <laughs> I was going to say that, actually. <laughs> um, you've got fantasy romances, you've got paranormal ra romances involving all sorts mm. of creatures and beasts and whatnot. Contemporary romances, chick lit sometimes is called... A genre no. of romance. I don't. I don't really agree with that because no, that's different. Yeah, because the argument is well. That's an, that's another podcast. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and this is exactly that's why I'm refuting it because cool. um, because uh, I guess in chiclet you've got relationships that are equally important because even though there is say a romantic relationship like um, Bridget Jones's Diary, I absolutely loved that book when I was younger and. Um, the, well, the relationships there with her family, the relationships with her friends, that is of equal importance to the romantic relationship she has. So I, I, I disagree when chick lit. Actually, I don't really like that title much to begin mm. with. But when that is uh, placed as a, like a or considered a subcategory of mm. um, you know romances. That's anyway, true. But you've got paranormal ones as well, historical yeah. romances. Uh, you know, often well, some of them often categorized as bodice rippers based on the kind of covers well, they have absolutely totally not pc these days so like the the kathleen woody Wiss, i think that's how you pronounce her name you know the bodice rippers where you know pirates would kidnap women and you know have their evil way with them it's yeah it's it's a genre that's um um luckily diminished yeah well there's a lot of ebbs and, and flows and, and changes <laughs> in what appeals to the public taste and because it's such a huge unwieldy behemoth I suppose like I the romance industry with so much I mean I think I read somewhere that um these days the covers are a little bit they uh, focus on a little bit less scantily clad couples I guess they don't have to be as 
you know, overt as that because the story does that. So you don't really need to have a cover that attracts people to say, oh, look, there's something saucy going on between Yeah, uh, cover art has totally changed, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, there's also more balanced male and female relationships in general. Um, mm-hmm. Also, women now in romances, often there's a trend of having, like, the, the, the widest possible selection of careers rather than just a few more, you know, traditional ones. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a yeah. lot. Career, lots of um, career women. Yeah, so there's uh, a feature in romance. There's yeah. a lot going on, uh, but again, the trends are hard to predict just because it's so huge and there's so much going on in 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 that one genre. Indeed. Um, so back to the focus we were going to have on the mm. few books, Pride and Prejudice, Catherine. Um, so it's considered a romance, but it's also considered a novel of manners, which mm-hmm. I guess is a work of fiction that recreates a social world in final detail in fine detail. Yeah. Um, what did a you want to say about manners? Yeah. Well, look. Um, I mean, everybody. Everybody knows Pride and Prejudice, Nissa, but I mean, I thought it was worth us um, mentioning because it is a seminal work. It's uh, it's a Regency novel. It is like I suppose the first romantic novel that um, you know had such a profound effect on a society um, because basically um, Jane Austen is satirising and critiquing her own society she's making fun of it, I mean she's a hugely intelligent and witty woman and her two characters Mr Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet are absolutely unforgettable they're so charismatic but, uh, as you said the Bridget Jones diary um, books are kind of loosely based yeah. On Pride and Prejudice, and it just keeps reimagining and reinventing itself. Who's your favourite character in Pride and Prejudice? It would have to be Elizabeth. I love her. Do you know, I love her, but I think, you know who has the best lines? Her dad. Yeah. I just think he's hilarious. Her dad is. Mr. Bennett is funny. Yeah. And I love that he's really bookish. Yeah. He's always reading books and encouraging his daughters to read. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't agree with how he sort of treats his wife, although I, I don't like Mrs. Bennett very much. Mm. Um, but I, he's just got the funniest lines. He always cracks me up when I read it. Oh, yeah, he's a good character. Yeah, it's true that, um, you know, Mrs. Bennett and the uh, younger Bennett sisters are, you know, really depicted as rather silly and lightweight, aren't they? Yeah, and um, the dad's, dad's sort of got his head in the sand, which doesn't, I think, help the situation. But would, wouldn't you agree that a lot of it is, like, the, the love story is such an integral part of it, but it also is about it's if anything just as important about the family relationships that are depicted society how it's depicted so you know just calling it a a romance is well that's not enough there's a lot more to it um that's true yeah no i mean look um it's it's um been been studied for years um at university and schools because it's just so well written um and um it uh you know it it talks about a lot of issues that are actually really interesting, you know, like upbringing and morality and education and marriage and, you know, it is Regency society, but lots of those issues are still resonant today. So, you know, it just has not dated and, you know, and I mean, the um, the opening line is the most... Um, uh, famous phrase in uh, the English language in any literature and that is... Um, it is a universally acknowledged it, it it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a fortune 
must be in want of a wife. But, you know, interestingly enough, Nissa, the reverse is also so. Is, um, and so you find that the Bennett family are actually landed gentry, but they're poor. And so those five sisters are really um, in a situation where they don't have um, an opportunity to have careers and they can't inherit. That does say a lot about Regency society. They have to find good matches. So it's serious. It's not just fun. Mm. It's, um, but I mean, uh, Jane Austen writes it so that it's a, just a, a very intriguing and compelling story. But at the root of it is a lot of social comment. Indeed. Well, that's all I'm going to say about Pride and Prejudice for now. Read it, people. <laughs> because we could do, I mean, so many episodes <laughs> just on it alone. Um, I just want to briefly talk about Love in the Time of Cholera. So I am currently be reading that book. I'm halfway through. Um, so the book was originally published in Spanish. And again, this is a book that is considered um, a romance or a love story. That is the genre that it falls within. But it also is considered magic realism and I know I know we've talked about I think Salman Rushdie I think it was um, and he's he's also another writer who writes um, in that genre uh, but mm, magic uh, realism was a really popular genre in the 90s well yeah so um, I didn't realize this but uh, magic realism so it's really it's associated quite a lot with Latin American literature, and uh, the is. author Gabriel Garcia Marquez is considered one of sort of the founders, I guess you could call it, of the genre. Oh. And what magic realism, I guess, means is that um, magic events occur alongside normal ones, um, and there is some debate about that too, the genre itself, because sometimes it's considered problematic because what we think of as magical or what in the West is thought of magical is just considered, I guess, normal in other parts of the world, I guess. And one of the reasons for why we would consider it magical would be, I guess, a disassociation of Western readers from mythology or our mythological heritage, whereas in other parts of the world that's weaved into their everyday life. So a distinction isn't needed to be made as such. So that was really interesting when I um, found out that argument. So yeah. the book, basically the story is that it's um, set at the turn of the 20th century uh, mm -hmm. in Colombia. I don't think it's really um, specified where, but it is definitely Colombia where the author is originally from. Mm -hmm. um, and it's... You know, it's it's it goes back and forth in times, back and forth with characters. The events are not quite linear. Um, that is why I'm reading it quite slowly. I've only got it halfway through. I wanted to have finished it before I did this. Um, but it, look, it's an interesting love story that uh, at this stage, halfway through, seems to have spanned decades, like decades. Um, and it is so full of... Uh, rich, rich imagery and the way the author, you can tell he's so gifted I think he was a Nobel Prize winner um, He was. He, the way he conjures up smells and sounds and the sights, it's so vivid in detail mm -hmm. um, that I can I can see how you know, I mean to compare it to just call it a romance and then leave it in the same category as, say, I don't know. A Harlequin romance? Yeah, like, no it, it does not seem right. There is such a big difference in mm. in that. So, um, yeah, so that's just an interesting love story, I thought um, I would highlight. Uh, so, yeah, love in the time of cholera. I, halfway through, look, it is, I am having to make an effort just because fiction isn't my forte, but mm -hmm. I think it is, it is rewarding for the, just when you stop and pause and you really absorb 
the beautiful imagery and the sights and the smells. I think that's striking me the most. He really brings the setting alive. And then you've got an interesting uh, love story, of course, that takes lots of twists and turns and their character is involved. Um, but yeah, so give it a go, people, if you have it. Uh, if I can try it, then I think anyone else can as well. <laughs> Uh, I'll read it next, Nissa. Yeah, you, but you surely you would have read it though, Catherine. You're you know, very well you read. You know what? I don't actually remember reading it. I am, I am remiss. I feel much but better I, now. But I think there was a film version, and I, I may have seen that because I am familiar with the story. Yeah, I think oh, I've forgotten when it was. I think Penelope Cruz's husband might have been in it. Anyway, um, okay, number three: Pride, Prejudice, and Other Favors by Sonali. Dev that was published last year. So I mean, Pride and Prejudice. Just because, again, going back to it, but I think I read somewhere that it has over a hundred spin-offs. I mean, all the different characters, all the Bennett sisters, for example, they've had spin-offs. Um, there've been some really great ones. I, the one I haven't read, but I've watched the television uh, version of, and I really, really enjoyed was Death Comes to Pemberley by P.D. Which the book was written by P.D. James oh, in yes. 2011. That's right. Um, and that is actually categorised. It's interesting. It's categorised as a historical mystery, that book. Uh-huh. Um, and in 2013, they had a TV version with Matthew Rees, who was in um, the Welsh actor who was in The Americans. He played Philip Jennings. Yep. So he plays, um, he plays Darcy. And I've forgotten the name of the other actress who plays Elizabeth Bennet. But it was... Yeah, that was such... And I recommend that. It's in the library. We have the DVD. Like, one of the great spin-offs that you've got. But they've got so many. And this is yet another one that you've got. I think it must be an American author, right? Because she's spelled flavours in the American way, I think. Sonali Dev is Uh an American-based writer of uh, American Indian descent. And... um, you know, look, um, this is another interesting example of, um, um, you know, the uh, romance genre. Um, her books are um, eagerly anticipated, I think, um, in 2020, um, because this is Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavours. And what's the one that's coming out next? Because I've seen, I've seen Recipe for Persuasion is her next outing. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's a hugely popular author. Um, but look... Um, this book is about um, uh, the main character is a, actually a surgeon. So here we go. He's a, he's a woman who's got a really decent career. So um, let's see. Uh, now, she comes from a, a... It's set in San Francisco, by the way. The family are a powerful family of Indian descent, as I said. And um, they um, her brother has political aspirations and apparently there's some rules that um, that apply to the family and there are three never trust an outsider and never do anything to jeopardize your brother's political aspirations <laughs> and never ever defy your family so I mean um, the um, dr. Trisha Raj that's our you know heroine in story is, you know, like a woman who should have, um, you know, be totally sorted out and have the world at her feet. But, you know, when it comes to romance, she's just like any other person. And uh, so this is a really good, cracking, romantic yarn. And you know what's really interesting? Um, there's a quote that I've got to, I've got to tell you. Um, it, she says, It is a universally acknowledged truth that in an overachieving Indian family... Um, you can be a genius, daughter, and still be considered to be a black sheep. <laughs> Does that resonate with you, Nissa? 
<laughs> no comment. <laughs> but I mean, look, her parents wanted her to be a doctor and she was. But in any event, um, look, um, the story does, it's, it's really well written. She's like a racy, good writer and uh, she um, she's written a whole series. Um, I think Bollywood Bride was probably her first book, Sonali Dev. Um, but um, it's a cracking good yarn and the romantic uh, situation um, resolves itself with all the usual tropes um, and it's, um, it's told with the central love story at the middle but there's lots and lots of social input. There's lots of, you know, sort of family characters that really are quite, um, that resonate. So, I mean, it's an up-to-date version of Pride and Prejudice, mm -hmm. which is why I thought it would be interesting to mention it. Yeah. So, yeah, look, people looked that one up and her uh, subsequent books. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the fourth one, again, something that's very different, are uh, the Outlander series of books. Mm. So Outlander... Okay, so uh, the author Diana um, Gabaldone, sorry, I'm just going to like trip over this until I get used to how to pronounce it. You did that very well. <laughs> so uh, she's had eight books in the series out so far. She intends to write ten books and the ninth one I think is going to be out sometime this year. Uh, for fans of her who are listening, uh, if you want to get a sneak peek of what the new book is about, the new book is going to be called Go Tell the Bees That I Am Gone. And um, on her website, on her Facebook page, she puts out excerpts from it from time to time. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just a little tip there. So Outlander, or Cross Stitch, I think, as it was published in the UK, is the first book in the series. Uh, the book came out nearly 30 years ago. It's amazing because uh, the book was popular, but since the television series came out in 2014, the popularity just exploded. And it, ex it has exploded so much um, that there's been a marked rise in uh, tourism to Scotland that can be traced back to the actual uh, publication of the book and the television series. And I think she recently got like a, what's it called, a Thistle Award for services to Scottish tourism. Uh, by the government there, so that's that that's was a pretty right. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Well, it's pretty interesting how that can have such a huge impact on the tourism of a country, a country that you already would have had so much tourism because of its rich history and uh, whatnot. So it's amazing how a book like that can have an influence on Absolutely. on that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so like I said, the first book came out um, almost thirty years ago, and the interesting thing is, the author herself does not like the title romance as a genre for her book. And I guess that's part of that whole idea where if you call something a romance, automatically it goes, it can go down in people's esteem just because... Be demeaned. Yeah, just mm -hmm. because it does hold company with some not very well-written books um, and also because it can turn off, like, at least half of the population. Uh, so she herself does not like it. She prefers to uh, refer to it with its other genres, other genres that it does fall uh, under. So historical fiction mm -hmm. is one. Adventure is another. Fantasy, because there are some, obviously, elements about witchcraft and all of that. Um, time travel. And, and magic, yeah. Science fiction for the time travel. Um, there's also a new genre that I hadn't heard of. It may not be new, but I've this is new to me. It's called science fantasy. Um, mm. And that's... Uh, Outlander is considered uh, falling within that uh, genre as well. So science fantasy apparently is a mixed genre that has sci-fi and fantasy elements. 
Uh, I think someone explained it. Science fantasy world contains elements which violate scientific laws of the real world, but these violations are given science-like explanations. So I guess an example would be time travelling through the standing stones. Quite famously, Scotland has a lot of standing stones um, that have Mm -hmm. been there for thousands of years in circle formations, and she's incorporated that into uh, some of the mythology of the book and um, how time travel occurs through there. Uh, She's incorporated a lot of, like, Gaelic festivals like Samhain and Beltane and given it sort of magical uh, properties. Yeah. Yeah. the story itself, I, I mean, it's so popular, television series is so popular, people would be familiar, but basically it's this English woman uh, just after the Second World War, Claire Beecham Randall, who's married to a guy called Frank Randall. Uh, she falls through these stones into uh, a different timeline. So she falls into... Well, she was holidaying in Scotland when this happens, and then so she lands in uh, Scotland that um, existed... Um, just before the wars that they had when they were trying to bring back the Stuarts to the throne mm-hmm. uh, while the Hanoverians were on the throne. Um, so Culloden, the Battle of Culloden, for example, happens, uh, I think, the second book. So it was just before, in the lead-up to that, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a time of great upheaval. And she goes there, falls in love with this Scottish um, guy from the Highlands, um, freedom name, fighter. Freedom f- eventually turns into a freedom fighter. Yes. Uh, so his name is Jamie Fraser, and the story goes on from there. Uh, the story, as it is right now, the characters are in their sixties, and there are two more planned. So I think it will take us right up to when they're, you know, to their demise. Probably. It wouldn't have to. I mean, it's been going on for so long, but I can't believe nearly thirty years. So anyway, the point is that. This is a story, at least the first one, if you look at it, you can say, okay, it's got a very strong love story element at its centre. However, as the books progress, it becomes more and more, like there's more and more historical detail, like a lot of historical detail, Mm. a lot of cultural detail. Um, Like you learn so much about when the characters find themselves in the American colonies before independence. There is so much about American history and um, early European settlers there, the ways of immigration, the the traditions they brought to the so-called New World, Mm -hmm. um, you know, their relationships with Indigenous people. I personally learnt a lot about that history through that, which I I wasn't really familiar with. Um, A lot of stuff about the Gaelic language in Scotland, um, you know... uh, there were a lot of people taking, I read somewhere, taking up Gaelic courses uh, mm. because of the popularity of the television show and the yeah. book. And I think the author herself in the first book, she does make some mistakes, but then as she does more research and the, the, the books along the way, she improves her use of Scottish Gaelic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was quite interesting to then like go on sort of like a rabbit hole of what you do when you're finding out, okay, what's up with the language? Who speaks it in Scotland? How are they preserving the language? How has the language been exported to, say, the Scottish uh, settlements in Nova Scotia and other places today and how that survived? So Mm. you learn so much about history and culture through the books um, that the romance is there, but it's it's definitely just one part of it doesn't even Mm. remain like the central... uh, Like, it, it doesn't overpower the story, which sometimes it does in romances, I think, where you've got, like, a romance and then, like, a thinly crafted plot just to you know that's just designed to push the people together mm-hmm. rather than to exist on its own so I thought that wasn't a good a good example of you know what is considered a romance by many and that's what attracts it to many people but the author definitely does not 
consider it just a romance. She would no. prefer to... Yeah. And her research is exemplary. Um, and it's the highest order romance. And as we were saying, there's lots of grey areas around the romance genre. And um, I think Outlanders is a really good example of a really strong romance, but so much more. Yeah, and especially as the books go on, that's what mm. I would say. In the beginning, you could possibly... It is overwhelmingly so, a romance, a love story, but as the books go on, mm -hmm. that definitely is still there, but there is just so much more going on with it that mm -hmm. if you were just there for the romance, you'd be completely bored, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. So, and, um, and, and yet the series is still very popular. It is, yeah. It's had a following. The television series, I think, has had like four seasons so far. The fifth season is just coming out mm -hmm. now as this airs somewhere on some sort of subscription channel. I think it'll trickle mm -hmm. down to everyone else after that. Yeah, well, but, certainly the library will have... Um, yeah. DVDs. Yeah, and see, it's so amazing. Oh, yes, of course, we do have the DVDs. And I just think it's such an interesting... We've looked at all these books and they're so different and yet they're all romances. Yeah. So, look, Nissa, grab a romance. That is our message today. Do yourself a favour, have a read. And, and don't be turned off by the, by the genre. Look at no. the other genres that it also falls under because usually you'll find a different subject heading, mm. another genre. Just... If, if you've got a thing against romances, just ignore that bit. Look at the other genres. Mm. Give it a chance. Uh, yeah, and they're very uh, emotionally satisfying, I think, the romance genre. Because you can always rely on, you know, a, a good outcome. And we all need that. And I, yeah, I think a lot of people <laughs> do prefer that. And, I mean, yeah. why not? Whatever floats your boat, I guess. Absolutely. So, Nessa, are we done? We definitely are. I mean, we could go on for longer, but I think we've bored people quite enough there <laughs> let's hope not but. but thanks for listening and we hope you've been intrigued and you're going to pick up some romances but we'll be back and we'll be talking about other genres and other um, events and occasions absolutely if you'd like to subscribe you can find us on our blog para reads mm -hmm. you can also find us on itunes the podcast and you can find us i'm missing something Podbean, the app under parapods we'll talk to you next time bye we will bye material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast. <laughs>